on Easter Sunday, actually, every church in the world this morning um, is talking about life. The life that we have in Jesus Christ. And rightly so. On Easter, we should talk about life. But I want to start off today's message talking about death. We talk about life because of the life that Jesus lived. We talk about life because of the death of Jesus Christ. And we talk about life because he conquered he conquered sin, he conquered shame, he conquered sickness. He did it on the cross. And then he breathed his last breath and he died. And then for three days, he laid in a tomb. And on that third day, he emerged from that tomb, victorious, conquering king. And we have life because he has risen. I love that we have crosses hanging. Uh, On the foyer, there's a cross that Kara's dad, that Clark made. Over here, Marcus and Amber made this cross. And if you'll notice, when we look at this cross, you'll notice what we do not see. We do not see Jesus hanging on this cross for the simple reason that He's not there. He's not dead. He's not suffering. He's no longer carrying the burdens of our sin. He's not on that cross. Now there are things on that cross, and we'll get to that in a minute, but He's not there. He's alive. He's not in a tomb either. You know, we wear, we wear crosses around our, our neck, and rightly so, to remember the cross. We should never forget the cross. We should never forget the work of Jesus Christ, the finished and completed work of Jesus Christ. We don't wear a tomb around our neck. I don't know, that might be a cool design, like an empty tomb. But if we did, it would have to be empty. Because we don't, we don't celebrate a tomb where there's a dead body inside of there. It's empty. It's empty. He's alive. But talking about death, fear. People have a lot of phobias. People have a lot of fears. And every fear that we have is rooted in one thing. Fear of death. Fear of death. You might say, I don't know, Mark. I don't know. I, I'll admit, I've got a fear of heights, which Sean clearly does not. This guy's like Spider-Man. I don't know. I've got, I've got a fear of heights, but I don't fear death. That's not true. That's not true. You know why you got a fear of heights? Because you're afraid you're going to fall from those heights and, and do what? And die. You might be like, oh, I, you know, I got a, I got a fear of germs. I got a, you know, a germ phobia thing. I don't know. Yeah, because you're afraid those germs are going to invade your body and kill you. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I hate them. I hate them. And I'll say this, you know, when I'm at the zoo and, and I'm looking at them, and there's a, an, inch, an inch of glass or plastic between us, I still don't like them. But I don't fear them at that point. But if I'm anywhere near them without that glass, man, I'm afraid of snakes. I hate them. This is the honest truth. If I'm driving on County Road 5 and I see a snake crossing, 
I will run it over. I promise you, I'm not lying, you guys. I will run it over. I will hang a U-turn. And now my kids are like, Dad, hang a U-turn. Go get it. We didn't kill it. And I'll hang a U-turn. I'll run it over again. And I'll hang a U-turn. And I'll run it over. And I will do that. I will be late to church to kill a snake. I will do that until I am certain it is dead. Why? Why do I do that? Because at least at some level, I'm afraid, if I don't kill it right then and there, at some point, that thing could be the cause of my death. <laughs> it could. I don't care if it's a gardener snake. They got friends. They talk. You can't tell me snakes don't talk to each other. I mean, not to us. Well, not anymore. I mean, they're in the garden. but. And I don't feel bad about it either. I don't feel girly like little girly about it either because I'm not the only one who hates snakes. Uh, We're having a tough time seeing the graphics today. But you know who that is right there? Indiana Jones. He hated snakes too. So I'm in good company. So not everyone has a phobia. But I've never met a single person that doesn't in some way fear this. Insignificance that doesn't in some way fear insignificance. You see, we all want our life to mean something. We all want our life to have value. We all want our life to be about something bigger than us. We all want to leave a lasting legacy. We want to leave a legacy of joy and strength and love and care and impact. We all do. And I've seen that the older people get, the more important that becomes, the legacy that we leave behind. We fear insignificance. We fear not being important. We, we fear not, not truly mattering or being remembered. We all want to be assured that on our deathbed we can be at peace. We can look at the faces of our loved ones. And, and we can embrace our homecoming with the Lord because we can say, we know we made a difference. I know I made a difference. I ran the race. I completed the course. I've done the work that I've been called to do. And guess what? Jesus wants us for it as well. God wants this for us as well. And that's why Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came out of obedience to the Father so that you and I could have a life significance. The Bible calls it life abundant. But He came so that we could have life significant. Let's read that from John chapter 10. It's actually been already been shared during worship today. In John chapter 10, verse 9, this is Jesus speaking and He says this, I am am the door. The title of my message today is The Door and the Key. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, lays his life down 
for the sheep so that we could have life abundant. So that we could have life relevant. So that we could have life purposeful. So that we could have life to the fullest. And Jesus, the Good Shepherd, lays down His life. This is the death and the life that we celebrate today. This is the the life and the death that we celebrate tomorrow and that we have the chance to celebrate every day that we wake up with breath. You want your life to have true meaning? Here's the great news. God wants that too. You're on the same page. We're in agreement. He wants us to have a life that has meaning, that has value. But here's the key, guys. Here's the key. We're not going to find it if we're solely resting on our own strength, on our own gifts, on our own resources. We can find elements of fulfillment within those things. I, I, I agree. But I want life abundantly. Life where that when we breathe our last breath, it's peace. It's not clinging for another moment. It's not clinging for another hour. It's saying, my life's been significant. And Jesus Christ made it so. This Easter message is going to come from the Old Testament today. I'm going to be preaching out of Isaiah 22. Um, and, and I'm excited to do so. The prophet Isaiah wrote this in prophesying about Jesus Christ centuries before Jesus died on the cross. Keep in mind as we're reading this what Jesus said in John chapter 10 about him being the door. So Isaiah 22, verse 22. says, And I, that's, that's God the Father, and I will place on His, Jesus, I will place on His shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. If I can pause here for a second. What does that mean? He shall What does that mean? Open and none shall shut. Shut and none shall open. It means this. The work of Jesus Christ was final. It was completed. It is finished. What Jesus shuts, no man can open. What Jesus opens, no man can close. What, What Jesus shuts, no devil, no demon, no attack from the enemy can come against. The work of Jesus Christ was completed. Next verse, verse 23. And I will fasten him like a peg or a large spike or a large nail in a secure place. And he will become a glorious throne of honor to his father's house. And they will hang on him the whole honor, all the glory of his father's house. The offspring and issue. The, The New King James says the offspring and posterity. And I will get to that in a moment. Thank you. And they will hang on him the whole honor of his father's house, the offspring and issue, every small vessel from the cups to all the flagons, the large serving jars. I love this. I love this. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, He 
became the throne of heaven. He became the throne of honor. The throne of honor where He now sits. It's amazing to me. This is why we make Jesus Christ the focus of everything we do. Because He deserves the honor and the praise. But what else hung upon Jesus? It says, all honor. All honor hung upon Him. The whole honor of the Father's house. Verse 24. And they will hang on Him the whole honor of His Father's house. The offspring and issue. And I'm going to explain this to you in a moment what that means. Every small vessel from the tiny little cups to all the large serving containers. All hang on Him. From the cups to the jars. From the little to the small. I want you to understand this. And I want you to know this and be convinced of this. Everything you have can be hung upon Jesus. And He can take it. He can hold it. Every burden you have, He can hold. Every burden you have about your children, about your future, about your marriage, about your family, about your health, about your finances, He can hold it. He can hold it. In fact, it says it was hung upon Him. It was hung upon this nail or this peg or this spike. Every burden that you have, Jesus can carry it all. And then it says that they will hang upon him all vessels. All vessels. From the little vessels, the little the little serving cups, to the big serving vessels. All. Talked about the offspring. It talked about the inheritance, the future. Hung upon Jesus. Our inheritance is hung upon Jesus, friends. It's not in our own to make that that the thing of value and worth, and is impossible to do without really trusting that in Jesus Christ. It says issue. It says the offspring and the issue. That word posterity. It's a Hebrew word that is described as this and it says they will hang on him the offspring and the issue the word issue is the word sepheia and it's translated as this something that has been outcast a less distinguished offspring a broken vessel fit to be thrown away and it says upon Jesus is hung the offspring and the issue the good child and the outcast. Because there's room upon Jesus for every single one of us. Every single one of us. At, at times, we're probably the good child, and at times, we've probably also been the outcast. I think that can resonate with each one of us. It can definitely resonate the broken thing that's fit to be thrown away. I bet you every one of us in this room at times has been outcast. Everyone in this room has said, you're broken. You're of no worth. You're fit to be thrown away. And the Father calls it out and says, all of this 
they will hang upon Jesus. By God's grace, every one of us were hung on Jesus Christ. Listen to how this prophecy from Isaiah concludes. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that peg that was fastened in a secure place, that peg that was fastened in a secure place, will give way. And it will be cut down and fall. And the load that was on it will be cut off. For the Lord has spoken. That peg, that nail that carried each one of us, it had to be removed so that Jesus wouldn't carry that burden anymore. Friends, Jesus does not carry that burden anymore. Jesus does not carry the weightiness, the anguish of our burdens anymore. He doesn't have to. Do you know that the only burden that Jesus carried was our sins? In His presence, the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. And friends, we can look in the Word and say, in His presence is fullness of peace. In His presence is fullness of love. But at the moment of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, He felt alone. The presence lifted. And in that moment, that began His carrying of burdens and sin. The the burden of our sin. This Word from Isaiah gives us a glimpse at what the Father knows. He says there's going to be a day when my precious Son Jesus will come to this earth. He's going to come, but then He's going to have to be removed. And He's going to have to die. But when He does, He won't carry our burdens anymore. Colossians 2 tells us where our burdens are now. Colossians 2 tells us where our burdens are and how they got there. It says in verse 13, through Jesus, you, all of us, me, you, us, you who were dead in your trespasses, dead in your weakness, dead in your sin, dead in your flaws, dead in your ugliness, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside. Doing what? Nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. Jesus, the door to life, to life everlasting and life fulfilling, took the very same nails spoken of in Isaiah 22 and He put our sins and our burdens and our trespasses on those nails. And it says He nailed it to the cross. Jesus 
nailed it to the cross. Our sins? Jesus doesn't have to carry them anymore, guys. He doesn't have to carry the weight and the burden of our sin because He nailed it to the cross. An empty cross. A cross that represents that the work is finished. It is done. It is complete. He's not dead. He's alive. And you know what? Our sins are dead. Our sins are dead. They have no power against us. Shame. Death. Accusation. The heaviness of these things. Nailed to the cross by Jesus Himself. beginning of this passage we read it talked about that key do you remember where he put that key in verse 22 it said and i will place on his shoulder the key of the house of david friends this isn't the kind of key i want you to i want to make sure that we're we have the right visual this isn't the kind of key we're talking about this isn't the key to the house of david that jesus put upon his shoulder this is the key of the house of david that jesus put upon his shoulder This is the key of the house of David that the door carried upon his shoulder so that he could control entryway. To and from. In and out. Whether the enemy has no place, no power, no effect to come at us. This is the key that Jesus carried on his shoulder to Golgotha, to the place of crucifixion. This is the key. The cross is the key to unlock you and I from death and to close every door of the enemy in your life and to open up in your life every good thing that the Father has for us. As the choir comes back up, I want us to sing one more song. And I want you to examine your heart as to what you believe this morning. I just want to take a moment to just be thoughtful and aware of what we believe. Of what we choose to believe. Do we believe in God the Father? Creator of heaven and earth. Friends, we didn't create ourselves. We were created. And in His likeness, in His image, I look like my daddy. You look like your daddy. For those who trust their lives in Jesus Christ, we look like him, we act like him. He created us and he perfects us. That's what Jesus Christ does. He's the perfecter of our faith. Do you believe in Jesus Christ who was spat on who was mocked, who was beaten, and who did it in joy for you and I. Knowing, yes, it's obedience to the Father, but knowing that it would tear down the wall of sin that separated us from us and the Father. Do we believe that our sin was put in that grave, nailed on that cross, paid for with the blood of Jesus our worst our sin our ugliest our worst could not keep 
Him from His best. I just want to take a second as we sing this last song to think about that third day when His glory came shining through and the life that we have because He's alive. If we can, we're just going to sing just briefly, but let's just stand back up and just be in a posture of of just thought as we as we look inside. On the third day, he emerged from that grave, risen. On the third day, he emerged as victorious king. On the third day, He emerged with freedom. On the third day, we are free. On the third day, we have life. Lord God, I thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus, and we believe. We believe that you are the way the truth, the life. And we believe that you are alive. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are the door and that you carried the key on your shoulder and that that work is completed. That work is finished. Nothing else to do. Nothing else to do on our end except agree with you, except believe in you. Father, right now we just proclaim freedom over fear of death. Freedom over fear of insignificance. Because we have that in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask you to stir within us the boldness to share your good news, to share your love. To constantly remind ourselves that you are good and only good. You're not angry. You're not mad. You are loving and good. Lord, I pray your blessing on every person in this place, Lord God. I just bless every marriage. Lord, let every marriage in this place be stronger, closer, more fulfilling, Lord. Every family, Lord God, to be more secure and joyful, Lord. Every individual in this place, Lord God, to be full of hope and faith and love, having been doted on by you. In Jesus' name, amen.